everyone, and welcome to the TPM podcast, Theology of Plain Men. That stands for. My name is Zach. I am joined by my buddy, my pal, my good friend, Andre Nelson, the ever silky smooth voice <laughs> of Theology of Plain Men. How Hello. You, how are you doing, Andre? Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. So those of you who are our regular fans probably noticed that uh, we didn't put out a podcast last week. Um. Andre looks up like we didn't. Uh, no, Andre, uh, we did not. Uh, yeah, it depends on what what you're looking at. By the time the listeners are listening to this, we did not put out a podcast last week. Uh, your boy, ZD, producer uh, extraordinaire, uh, had a real, real scare with what he thought was COVID. Uh, fun fact, wasn't COVID, but it was gnarly. I had a 104 degree fever. My word. I haven't been that sick in I probably since I was a child, maybe. Um, since I had a fever like that. When I got to urgent care, um, which I drove myself in because <laughs> when you have a wife and an infant at home, uh, you don't necessarily get the prime treatment. Uh, so my lovely wife stayed home, disinfected our whole house, and got the basement prepared for me to isolate. Um, and I go to urgent care and she's like, well, when was the, when was the last time, uh, you were, you had a physical or was the last time you had a doctor? And I had to stop and think the last time, <laughs> oh, I know where this the is. last time I went to a doctor's office for me, we went all the time when Ashley was pregnant and for all of Harper's checkups and all that. So I'm there and it's not that I'm against the doctor. Like, let me get that. Let me get that out there. Like I am for modern medicine. I will. I will accept that. Uh, I haven't been to the doctor since I got my physical before I went to college. I haven't been to the doctor since I was seventeen. I'm twenty five now. I haven't been sick to the point where I have to go to a doctor. So I haven't had anything other than like the common cold since like w- way earlier than that. Even probably since I was in like middle school. So. I- I, good immune system. Maybe I'm just lucky. I'm spoiled. That's for sure. Whatever it is, but that wasn't fun. And I was a big fat baby the whole time. Uh, we're all good. The Doman household is clear. We are COVID free. Uh, both baby and wife uh, never got any symptoms. Never got sick at all. Uh, the basement has been disinfected. The, the basement, the studio has been yeah. disinfected. Yeah, don't let people in on the. <laughs> uh, we'll let them behind the curtain. Uh, we're we're getting ready to start doing video conferencing on podcasts, so maybe someday we'll be able to put out some some video of us doing the podcast. Uh, disinfected the studio a number of times uh, for a while down here. It smelled just straight like Clorox. Um, so we're all good. But Andre, when was the last time? One that you were just like sick, like stay home sick. Uh, but like, when was the last time you were so sick you were in urgent care, like that type of sick? That's a good question. And this this is funny. I could probably tell a very similar similar story to you. Uh, the last time that I was sick, uh, like I would say that I had to stay home from work uh, or school would have been was probably like a year ago. I think it was some point in 2019. There was a day where. It was like a really, there was something going on at work and I was really not feeling well, but I knew they needed help. So I went in and like did the essential thing. And then I was like, I think I need to go home. Like I feel horrible. Uh, so that did actually happen last year. Uh, didn't go to the hot, like didn't go to urgent care or anything for that. 
Um, in fact, I would be in the same place as you where I don't know when the last time I went to the emergency room was, period. Right. And I can also assure you that the last time I went to a doctor's office for the sake of my own health medical status was at least eight years ago, which yeah. is bad. It's That's so, bad. So I'm not proud. Well, I'm a little proud of that. Can you hear my voice? But right. I'm I'm not entirely proud of that because it's pretty irresponsible. And I think that it's healthy to get a yearly checkup well and that's that's the stupid thing but it's like, here i, I am I pay, still not doing it like so. i pay healthcare, right like i pay for this yearly exactly. checkup that service like yep. i should yep. use this yeah. uh but i, I don't I because know. i'm a stubborn old crotchety man all right <laughs> that is only so 25 <laughs> there's your COVID update for tpm as far as we know at least uh we don't have it which is awesome news uh so praise god for that super thrilled i was i was nervous that i was gonna you know, I spent three days only, three, four days when I was really sick until I got my results. Uh, like, not, I didn't get to hold the baby. I mean, I was isolated in this basement. Like, I would look at the baby from the stairs, and she would be sitting up up in the stairs, and I would see Ashley and the baby. I'd wear a mask when I would get anywhere near that close, but that was tough. Uh, your boy cried a lot. Uh, so yeah, big fat baby over here when it came to being sick. So that was tough. We're, I'm really glad we're through it, but yeah, praise God uh, that that wasn't any worse, uh, than it was. So on that super fun, happy note, Andre, where are we going today? King of transitions. So I bet, yeah, I was, I was just going to say a better podcaster could, could blend this together nicely, but well, you know, and maybe, I, maybe I am that better podcaster. So I think that... <laughs> Uh, you know, one thing about this whole coronavirus thing has been that it's so largely out of our control. We are devising all of these policies and guidelines and so on to do our best, but it is very obvious to us that this is, you know, a, a, a kind of an alien living thing. Like it is, um, kind of got a mind of its own and it spreads and it lives and, and we can't, um, just exert our own control over it. And that's actually what we're talking about today is control and how, God is the one who is in control of all things, and in fact, our ability to control our circumstances and our environment is very, very, very small. Um, not just in the public health realm, but in uh, every aspect of our lives. And so, um, I think that's a really important thing for Christians to be aware of, and it's been a huge thing in my life to to swallow, to swallow the fact that I am not actually in control of my life as much as I want to be, very much, and that's part of my personality. Um, it's just not something that has been given to me. That's just not the way that God has designed life to work. Well, and I think what the struggle is, and we'll follow our normal pattern that it seems like we always go. It's like, here's the lie. Uh, here's what God says. Here's some biblical examples. Blah, blah, blah. We'll move on. To me, when I look at what's the lie here, why do we struggle with control? Right? Because I do too. I I want to I want to be the master of my own ship. I want to be the captain of my own ship. Um and I, I'm left thinking, like, where where's the disconnect? What's going on? And when I look at, I think it's in little, I think it's in super little ways, right? That we're kind of these little micro lies that we're fed continuously. Everything from you have your your phone has every aspect of your life in it. I can go to my credit card, my bank. I have I have an app on my phone where I can look at. Out the camera on my doorbell, or a camera live view <laughs> That's right a very now. Good example. <laughs> right now, I can look at a 
a live feed of my driveway. I can see I can see out into my driveway. Um, I get notified when there's motion there. Um, at the touch of a finger, I can get anything I need from Amazon here in two days. So in all these really and mm. those things aren't bad. Mm-hmm. And even on their own, you wouldn't be like, oh well, because you have a camera on your front door. That's now, sinful. Now you're believing this lie <laughs> that you control the world. And no, it's not like I, I, I struggle to find this one aspect of my life where it's like, this is why I have a problem. It's all, There's all these little things seem to stack up and all these things that I would even say that society tells you you need, like you need to take control over your career and you need to like how, how many times you heard that buzz phrase before. Um, and you need to, you need to, you need to be perfectly aware of all your finances. Um, and you need to have control over your finances to Christian. How many times have you heard that before? Um, and all these things aren't bad. Um, but when we take all of them and we say, okay, now this is mine and I'm in control. I am in charge and I can guide my life exactly where I see it being the best and what I think is best and where I want it to go. Um, And yeah, to me, it just seems like it's this culmination of everything just gets me to this spot where all of a sudden I'm the captain. Um, I don't know. What, what do you think? No, I think that's a really good summary. It's a really good perspective at least. And I think the way that the world, the way that our world is, um, has allowed us to exert control in areas that have never before been available to us, as people, um, I think that has a lot to do with why it's so difficult for us. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that human beings have struggled uh, with this issue forever, but I think that there's these elements of modern life that make it all the more difficult Right. that you pointed out. Right, and even you know, to, to get some biblical examples, I think there are a ton of really, really good ones. Um, one of the first ones that comes to mind um, God promises Abraham in his old age, I will, God says, I'm taking control. I will, um, like Sarah will bear a child and from your offspring, there'll be, you know, a ton, right? Um, the, there, there'll be a nation that comes from you and Abraham says, great, sweet. I'm in. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. Well, the problem is it doesn't happen right away. Abraham has this idea of what timeline he's like, oh, I thought this was like tomorrow. I thought we were doing this. And he takes matters into his own hands um, and bears a child with another woman, uh, that child, Ishmael. And God... And that's like an arrangement between him and Sarah. That's like all agreed upon. Right. They're like, we have to make this thing that God said was going to happen, we got to take it into our own hands right. and do that and right. make that happen. Right. God says, Sarah will, will conceive a child. Abraham yeah, and he said, was not ambiguous about that. No, it was very, very yeah. explicit. And God does not go back on his promises either. It's another fun note to throw in there. And Abraham says, well, it's not the way I want it, so I am going to take control. Um, and problems ensue from there. Uh, but at the end of the day, God maintains control comes through nation of Israel comes from I think now uh, because Sarah eventually bears a child Sarah does eventually bear a child God does not turn back on his promises yep right uh, jump forward a little bit in Israel's history um, 
Israel enslaved in Egypt. Um, God gets them out. He says, I, he frees them from slavery. And he says, I will take you into the promised land. Well, while, uh, while Moses is getting the law from God, he's, he's up on the mountain with God. Israel says, well, I thought we were going to do this thing. God, you said you were going to, you were going to do this. We were going to go into the promised land. We we're going to do all this stuff. And Israel takes control into their own hands and they fall into deep idolatry. Uh, they build the golden calf. They start worshiping it. Um, they begin to grumble and say, well, and, and as they go through the wilderness, they begin to grumble and say, oh, it was better when we were in slavery. And it, Israel takes control again and a whole bunch of them die very immediately in that circumstance. The earth opens up and swallows a chunk of Israel. So, uh, when, and, and this is throughout Israel's history as well. You go through as they have their conquests, as they're entering into the promised land, it says God gave such and such nation into Israel's hand. Um, anytime that as they move or whatever they do, God is explicitly in control. Um, and I'm not going to belabor it any further. I think I've rambled for a long time now, but we have countless examples of throughout Israel's history of God demonstrating explicitly saying explicitly that he is in control and he is the one who is moving Israel throughout their journey. But Israel constantly, which is a parallel to what we do today, constantly says, well, you're not doing it the way I think you need to be doing it. So I'm going to take control and spoiler alert. It never works out for Israel when they take control back from God. Yeah. And that, and I think what you get at what you're kind of unveiling here is that even when it feels like we do have control, when we do have the opportunity for control, we, we don't actually, I mean, at the end of the day, God is the one that is calling the shots and so any attempts of ours to exert control are just these kind of, it's an illusion, you know? It's a lie. I, I would go as far as uh, yeah, saying like, I mean, it's a lie from the enemy. Yeah. I think the enemy wants us to say, yeah. wants to tell us like, no, you're in control. Like, yeah, go do that. That'll work out really well. Sorry, I'm, I'm eating dinner as we're podcasting. That'll work out really well for you. Um, you know, don't listen to God. He's, he's not in control. He doesn't care about you. I, I think those are lies that we are continuously fed. And I think that, yeah, some of the other examples of, like, great faith in Scripture, I even think of, um, like, in the Gospels, some of the examples of great faith also happen to overlap with examples of people who acknowledge that they didn't have control and that Jesus did. You know, so the man that comes to Jesus and says, I don't know if it was his son or his neighbor's son or whatever that was dying and had been dying, and... And he said, will you heal him? And, you know, Jesus traveled and healed him. And that was that. And, and the guy knew, like, well, there's nothing we can do about this illness on this, on this boy, you know. And, and they acknowledged that Jesus did have the power and the control over that situation. So I think, you know, I think uh, stories like that get touted for great faith. But I think there's a, a layer of control reality there. And I think that that applies deeply. Right. And I think now we're kind of getting to what I'm going to call like the staple theological idea when it comes to control. Control is foundational 
in the story of the gospel. It's it's a main it's a mainstay. It, it it's pivotal. The core of the gospel, right? Christ died, gave his life for us so that even though we were sinners, we could take on the perfection that he has and he takes our our penalty for our, the sin penalty we deserve takes it on himself when he dies on the cross and we get his perfection and ultimately we raise with him in life to go to heaven for that transaction to happen. The core transaction from our end at the end of the day, what it is from our perspective, it's saying I can't do it. It, We are left with saying, I do not have control over my salvation. God to you belongs the power of, of salvation. That's the, that's, that's the turning point. And that's the transaction on our end. That's how the gospel works is us relinquishing control. So where this, this lie that we're painted over control kind of in our daily lives, what it does is it eats and it eats and it eats at this staple of the God of the gospel, this truth. truth. And when we, when we start, when it starts to wither away, it starts to etch away. Eventually, we're left with. Over time, we begin to think that, you know, maybe I can achieve my own salvation. Maybe I can just be good enough to get to heaven, and that's that's the lie. And that's where these little bits of control play into this foundational truth of the gospel. I think control is all over it in another way too. If you think of it from God's perspective, God has done this great deed for us to offer us salvation, offer us forgiveness of sins. Um, but the beauty of our acceptance of it is that it's not coerced, that he's not exerting, he, he's choosing not to exert his control over us in that decision. So that when people turn to him, it is like totally volitional. It is totally voluntary and it, it signifies an actual heart change. Uh, actual softening of the heart towards him. And that's what makes that connection genuine. That's what makes that belief real is because it was something that we turned in on ourselves and noticed and decided this is, (laughs) I'm in need of him. I am not in control of my own path. um, And I'm going to make that choice. And so allowing, and I think that, so that's got a good application, I think, for us in, because I think one area that it's very difficult to, um, refuse to relinquish control in is relationships. And Jesus has modeled that relationship for us really well in saying, I'm going to give you control to make this choice. I'm not going to manipulate, manipulate you into what I want because I want, I want your, you know, I want you to be genuine. I want your expressions to be genuine. And I think relationships are one of the most unpredictable areas of our lives. And there's such a temptation to be controlling there. Um, and so I think that's a beautiful aspect of this whole thing. And when I think about genuine faith, um, there was, I was at a conference, uh, it was called Manmaker, and there was one of the, one of the seniors, uh, his name was, I don't remember who it was, Taylor maybe was his name, Taylor Lund, I think, shout out, I doubt he listens. Uh, he, and it stuck with me to this day, just as what well, I couldn't tell you anything else he talked about, but he got up and he was talking about doubt in the faith and this, and I think this fits really well with like, what does genuine faith and relinquishing of control look like? Cause he posed the question of like, how much is enough faith? Like how much faith is enough faith? 
right? Like the faith of a mustard seed, right? How much is that? And he said, he, he said this one line and it stuck with me. And I truly believe this, that like the measure of faith that is quote enough faith is faith that says, God, if what Jesus Christ did on the cross, my acceptance of that, my laying down of the fact that I can't do it without that, if that decision, that, that much faith, if, if that measure isn't enough, then I'm screwed. Then there's nothing like that is the faith that is quote enough. It's if that, if what Jesus did completely, if with me doing nothing, with me being wretched forever while I'm on earth, transacting onto Jesus, I get his life. If that's not enough, I'm hosed. And that and everything past that is it. Has, right. has no comparison, pales in comparison exactly. to, the, to that exchange. Yep. And, and to me, that is what ultimately that this theological, I'm going to call it relinquishing of control. Um, that's kind of what that is. It's I'm giving up a, a staple. The, the most important thing about my life is the thing after my life is the, is the other side of eternity. And I'm giving up complete ownership control, grasp. The funny part is I never had any of it to begin with. Exactly. Ownership over it. I'm giving it up and saying, God, it's, it's you. And if, if that's not enough, then I have nothing else to bring to the table. So that's, that's kind of where we're left with. Um, and I think that kind of brings us to I guess our practical application point of, of the podcast. Because that's very here. theological. You that know? is like super. That's a very theological, and that's you know your right. decision to follow Christ, and that's a really way to conceptualize that decision and that, that idea. But, but it really begs the question that if control is so bad, then why don't we just throw up our arms and say, nope, doesn't matter. I, I can't control anything, so why should I even try? It's you know Apparently they're telling me it's sinful to be controlling, so I'm just going to give up. Well, that that doesn't sound right either. So right. I think we're we're realizing that the balance is somewhere in between. But I think it's the heart of the issue. I think con- you know, control, controlling this. We were t- <laughs> we were texting about this topic. I said we can do controlling this because I felt like that word almost makes There's you seem like there's not a chance that's a real. No, word. it's for sure not a word. But it's me trying to control the English language t- to get a word that means what I want it to that's mean. It's a fun anecdote. <laughs> yeah. So I'll take a crack at this. Okay. And it's, again, as I'm one to do, I'm going to take my practical application, boots on the ground application. I'm going to put that son of a gun in a rocket and send it straight up into the clouds (laughs) and make it as lofty as I can. So the thing that I kept going back to about my practical application was Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So there is a command and a promise in that little nugget. There's, there's more than that. But those are, there are two, those two big things. Command, do not be anxious and bring it to God in prayer and petition with thanksgiving. That's the command. Whatever it is, you bring it to God. You say, God, I'm anxious about this. Uh, I, <laughs> I do not have control. Here you go. And then there's a promise. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God does not go back on his promises. 
We said that earlier. We are not promised you bring it to God and then it happens. That's not what we're promised right here. We're promised that you bring it to God and the peace of God, which transcends your ability to comprehend the situation that you're in, will descend on you and guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That there will be this peace of God that you'll experience. That is the promise. And to me, that's my practical application is you can't control COVID-19. I'm going to just throw that out there. I learned that this last week. I've been extremely careful as far as COVID is concerned. I wear a mask when I'm in public places. Uh, Ashley and I really don't go anywhere. Um, we don't really just let anyone who's over here hold the baby. When we see people, we see people outside. We maintain social distancing. When I'm at work, I maintain social distance and I wear a mask at work. I wash my hands all the time, disinfect everything that I can. And I was certain that I, that I had COVID. Turns out I didn't, but I very well could have. And what I felt like I learned is that I had, and it's, and it's the, it's the first thing that my lovely wife told to me when I said, Ashley, I'm scared. And she said, you can't do anything about it. You got to put it before God. All we can do is pray because we can't control this situation. We've done everything we can. We were wise, right? And that's where I think we're at, Andre, right? Is I did everything right. And those were all good things to do. I was wise and I was careful um, and I stewarded this life that God has given me. But God still said, you're still not in control in this circumstance, Zach. Um, and in prayer, that's what I felt like I learned through the whole thing is that I had to accept that whatever happens is just going to happen. And I'm not in control. I've done everything that's in my power, right? I think we see that uh, throughout Jesus' ministry. He, he commands that people do things, that they're active, they take action steps, that they do things within their power. But I was at the end of that. I didn't have anything more that was in my power. And I had to come before God and say, I got, I got to give this to you because I, I can be left here worrying about this, worrying about my family, being anxious about everything, but I've done everything I can do and I'm, I'm out. That's all I have. And to me, that's my practical application is you're going to listen. You're going to experience things in your life where you've done everything right. You've done everything by the letter, by the book that you're supposed to do. And it's still not going to come up the way you need it to. Right. You're not, you're at the craps table and you're not rolling snake eyes. It's you're, it's not going to come up the way you need it to, because you are not in control over everything. Um, and that's the, to me, that's the balance is you've done what you're supposed to. You've been wise, but at the end of the day, you still got to hand it over because you still don't control the way the dice come up. That's good. Mine's not going to be nearly that good. So I think, the, but the thing that I take away from Zach's there is the link between worry and control. I think that's really important. I think that verse has a lot to do 
with this topic, even though it doesn't say control per se. It's you know it's that's the that's the verse about anxiety about worry, and I, so my the thesis of my uh, <laughs> well, it's such a that's such an oxymoron. <laughs> I was about to say the thesis of my uh, practical application <laughs> is uh, is be self is self awareness. So I think self awareness is is helpful to to Zach's corner of this topic where acknowledging I am anxious about this topic and I need to turn to God in that but but more so I am I am susceptible to control to try to exert control when I am anxious about a particular topic. And, and that's where that slips in. Just control. to just to pitch in as well self-awareness can look like community awareness as well that you can lean on your brothers to help you be self-aware. Yeah. And so but I would I would arm self-awareness um, in the way of asking yourself <clears throat> on a thing on a, a subject an area that you might feel um, tempted to be controlling on and be worried about your ability to control to step back and ask yourself if if this totally got turned on its head and I had and I had no ability to do anything you know if the illusions of control were to totally vaporize would i be okay would i still be okay and if you can't say yes then i think it's probably an identity thing right if pulling out if pulling out the rug of control makes you not okay as a person deep down then then there's an issue and then that's where you got to focus in and hone in and call god and and call God into that area and to cast your anxieties onto him in that area. I think that's, that's, that's the total plumb line for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and even as you look into, you know, idolatry is what is basically what you're revealing in right, that. You're, right. What are your it's little idols? Kind of, yeah. These are things are all kind of the same. Right. It's weird. A sin all kind of revolves yeah. around <laughs> all these little idols. Uh, so you're really asking the question of like practically, could my house burn down? Could I be fired from my job? Could I could I lose all the loved ones in my life and be cast out onto the side of the road? Kind of a lot scenario. Right. Could, could the whole throw the kitchen sink at your whole life? And am I still okay? And that's not to say that those things don't matter, right? Like if, if I lost Ashley and Harper in some tragic accident, would I in the moment like be okay no and that's not the question that's not the kind of okay that we mean no the the okay is is my standing before god and who my identity is as zach doman child of god citizen of heaven is that am i okay there is my identity still unchanged if everything gets pulled out from under me and gets stripped away because ultimately, I can do everything right, and tragedy can still happen. And because that's that's the world that we're in, that we're in this already not yet kind of life. That yeah, we're citizens of heaven, but you're still living in the mud right now. Um, so that's a fun, happy note to go on. But I think that's a really really good point, and something that I think we should ask ourselves every day. I'm glad that we got to talk about this. I think, you know, we don't, we, you know, Zach's shared some personal anecdotes and, um, and I, and I have a lot of reflection to do. I think this is, this one hits home for me. So, um, thank you guys for listening. Um, try to loosen your white knuckle grip on life and, uh, 
We'll talk to you next time.